Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, the Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the dutiful Doug Roz, the extravagant Eric Bontz, and the marvelous Michelle Shepardson. Today, we have myself, Ange, along with JT and Chuck, and we're going to talk about side quests. Before we dive into that main topic, though, we're going to ask a get-to-know-known question. What's one time as a GM where a side quest ended up becoming more important than the plot you thought you were going to run? Chuck, I'm going to go with you first. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, honestly, I tend to do a lot of uh, building the plane as I fly with games. So uh, the, uh, the, the side quests that I do are really driven by the parts of the plot or the world building the players have jumped into. So honestly, the side quests become the plot when the players do that. With that said, I ran a Dresden Files game once where uh, I had a lot of things that were sort of being uh, surfaced from prehistory. And the characters were having visions in the past where I had them play secondary characters in that time period. And that ended up occupying a whole lot more of their attention and their enthusiasm than I expected. So in that sense, it kind of became more important than the main plot. It really added a lot of richness to the game. And I I think I'm probably going to talk a little bit about that approach uh, a little bit later. (laughs) Um, But uh, what about you, Ange? So years ago, very first campaign I was ever running was uh, Mutants and Masterminds Superhero Game. And the, the players had just basically, as you do, defeated a band of pirates in a flying pirate ship who tried to raid a party in a penthouse in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And they ended up not letting the pirate get away with his pirate ship and taking it over. And (laughs) I was a new enough GM that I didn't know how to take the pirate ship away from them. (laughs) And so I'm just like pulling stuff, you know, out of the ether to describe this ship as they're exploring it, because I had no plans for them to take the ship, but, as I have learned over the years, if you put a shiny thing in front of your players, your players want that shiny thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. One of the, the things they found on this ship was a little black book with somebody's, you know, personal contacts, numbers, notations. And the little black book belonged to the telepathic monkey, Mr. Smudge. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me why there was a telepathic <laughs> monkey as part of this pirate super villain gang, but. Either way, and monkeys so they decide, sell comics. They've established that monkeys have, sell comics. They have. Yep. Um, and he and and Mr. Smudge actually ended up becoming one of their prime adversaries over time, all because of this finding this little black book and deciding to start calling some of the numbers in it. <laughs> so prime adversary or primate adversary? <laughs> primate ah. adversary. Yeah. Anyway, they called one of the numbers in there and decided to completely derail everything I had planned for the campaign to go to Long Island to meet up with this woman that the monkey had a relationship with and find out more about him and his history and all of this. And I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but they're really enjoying this. Mm -hmm. So you run with it. Yeah. Yeah, I got to create this really fun NPC who came off as a complete airhead, but knew everybody and knew everything. So she was a great resource for them. But it was just like this completely unplanned side quest that the players still talk about to this day, like 15 years later. Nice. That's awesome. How about you, JT? 
So this harkens back to Cyberpunk 2020, probably early 90s timeframe. The game hadn't been out too long, or at least the 2020 version hadn't been out too long. And um, one of the players worked like part-time for a pizza shop to make tips and street connections and, and things like that, right? It was, it was kind of an excuse really to drive around and meet with contacts and, and, and things of that nature, right? Well, he saw a delivery driver from a competing pizza store. And he was like, oh, I'm going to go kill that guy. And yeah, okay. So that sounds you like do the cyberpunk, cyberpunk. Right? <laughs> Yes, it was. Yeah, it, it, it was hardcore murder hobo. That, I mean, that was, that could have been like the theme in all caps for this campaign. So anyway, he goes to kill rival pizza delivery guy. And rival pizza delivery guy, through a series of bad rolls on the player's part and good rolls on my part, kills the character. <sighs> Yes. So a couple of the other characters also worked part-time for the same, they all worked for like the same pizza joint. It was kind of like a, their cover story, more or less. <laughs> and they decided they were going to get revenge on rival pizza store for, for killing their friend. And it ended up being an all-out like gang turf war between like Mama Rosa's Pizza and Giovanni's Pizza Parlor or whatever. I forget the names of the places, but it was something like that. <laughs> and that ended up being the campaign. And, and no, it wasn't a side quest that I set up. It was just like the side activity, really, that a player, I just threw it in for flavor. Hey, you see a rival delivery guy, right? And I figured he'd just like flip him the bird and move on. Nope. <laughs> so this entire campaign, which ran for, we were playing two or three times a week, you know, as you do in your, your younger years. Yeah. And this ran for about three months, two or three times a week. So we got in like, what, two years worth of sessions? If you if you break it down like if it was a weekly game, mm-hmm. so I, I ran basically the equivalent of a two year compressed time Cyberpunk 2020 campaign, all about rival pizza shops, and it was like a gang turf war. It, it was the most amazing thing, and it was just like this little side throwaway thing that I threw into the, the uh, descriptor, and now that was the main thrust of the the campaign. It, that, we that had a hoop with it. Hilarious and so very early nineties. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so moving into our main topic of discussion, if my video game RPGs are any indication, you can't have a main quest without having some side quests. Okay, maybe that's not true for tabletop RPGs, but they are important, especially in long running campaigns. And JT has been working on a couple of different articles talking about side quests, and I thought it could be a good topic for us. So, JT, why don't you give us the brief rundown of what your articles are about, and then we can dive into thoughts and opinions about this stuff. Sounds good. So the article that's already up on the stew as of uh, the, the airing of this episode is side quests for the fun of it, right? The, the side quests that more or less don't matter to the campaign. And the other article that's coming up that I believe will be posted one week after this episode goes live will be the side quests that matter to the campaign, like your story-centric side quests. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I've divided up side quests into those two very broad categories. You know, I'm certain there are some other categories that we can maybe discover or discuss here. But that's kind of how I broke it down, is is the fun ones and the serious ones, the ones that matter Mm -hmm. to the story. So you've mentioned the fun ones. What what do you consider... Just the fun ones. Obviously, they're the ones not connected to the main storyline. Right, right. And they could be. I'm not saying side quests that do story elements aren't fun, 
but I, I, you know, frivolous is maybe a more more appropriate mm. term instead of fun, right? Mm-hmm. One of the key reasons I'll throw a side quest in that doesn't matter to the story is if the next element of the story is higher level, more potent than the current mm. character levels or, or current character capabilities. Maybe they need uh, protection from fire, or maybe they do need something that does cold damage or whatever, and they don't currently have that. Boom, side quest. They go get it. And maybe they're not searching for that. I just throw that in as quote-unquote random treasure you know, in, in the horde so that now they have that uh, wand of frostbolt or a potion of fire resistance or whatever the case may be. That way they're a little more better equipped, more uh, well-prepared for taking on what's coming up. So, so that's one of the key things I do. Maybe it's just raw experience points. Maybe we're just going to go kill a bunch of troglodytes in the swamps, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think one of the things about side quests is they, they can very often be just organic. It's something the players have expressed an interest in that maybe you didn't think was that important, but the players are super into it. So you just explore it a little further and suddenly you've got a side quest. Like, like you may not have even thought the players wanted to get any sort of protection from fire. And all of a sudden that's what they're focused on. So that becomes thumbs up plot oh yeah mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely yeah the the uh when i was running uh the dragon heist the D D five camp uh campaign mm-hmm. the hardback one of the players backstories essentially was he was uh, a lost noble from a devil worshiping or demon worshiping i forget which uh, probably devil worshiping uh family and he was like his nanny had kidnapped him and taken him to Waterdeep to hide him and it was like, oh, that's that's rich with storytelling. Mm-hmm. So maybe about halfway through Dragon Heist, we left Waterdeep to go find. He he found a map that was like X marks the spot. This is where your manor house is at, your family's ancestral home that's long abandoned. So we did a little side quest to go have some fun with his backstory. Awesome. Didn't matter to to Dragon Heist one tiny little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of did because when they came back, they were like three levels higher. <laughs> but the adventure hadn't leveled up, right? Uh, so, so there were some adjustments I had to make on the fly. But I've been doing it long enough; it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, j- just uh, you know, made, made the trap, raised the DC on traps, and a little more damage here and there, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I just kind of on the fly adjusted Dragon Heist to be three levels higher because they were three levels higher, and it worked out fairly well. Worked out. Fairly yeah. well. I had to do the opposite with Dragon Heist. I had to give them a couple of side quests. Uh, to balance out what they were ignoring in Dragon Heist. Like, there's mm. the chapter in Dragon Heist where you're supposed to do all this faction stuff. No spoiler stuff, but <laughs> one of the chapters is all, you're established in the city! You're going to do stuff with factions! None of my players oh. had any interest in any yeah. of the factions right, whatsoever. Right. So that, that chapter was a complete wash. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I gotta come up with some stuff for them to do that can, you know, bridge the gap between you know, the, the the stuff they're actually interested in. I had mm-hmm, one right. player who was attached to a, a faction, and she was my... I She's she's a good role player when she's interested in role playing. Most of the time, she's just interested in, I want to kill some things. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, <laughs> she's an accountant. She likes letting off a little bit of steam. And mm-hmm. she's just like, she had no interest in playing her paladin who's associated with the laws, the Lord's Alliance. She just wanted to use smite evil and destroy things <laughs> with her sword. So it was like, yeah, my one player who has a connection to factions, we're not going there. So mm-hmm. that's a case of side quests that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Right. 
How about right. you, What about Chuck? you, Chuck? Do you have, yeah, do you have any frivolous side quest concepts out there? Uh, so I, I don't really do, or I try not to do frivolous side quests. So speaking only for me personally, world building is a lot more fun than session planning. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. So I, I tend to build a lot of stuff in the background that the players never really get exposed to. So sometimes I'll do a side quest as a way to sort of surface that a little bit. So it can give a little bit of context to the things that are going on so players can recognize, oh, that symbol is something associated with this thing that that happened during the side quest. And we know what that's about, sort of like Captain America. Ha, I got that reference. <laughs> so, you can, so you can do that. And, and it's self-indulgent, but GMing needs to be self-indulgent if you want to do it long term. But it's, it's a great way for me to expose that to the players. And I, I love mm -hmm. doing that with side quests. One thing I do want to point out is that a side quest doesn't necessarily have to be with your initial set of PCs. So particularly if you have that sort of ooh shiny itch that uh, I know I have, um, you can actually have like sort of a B plot that's happening somewhere else that will eventually fit into the main plot, sort of hand out pregens to the players and say, okay, for this session, you're going to play this. And then you, player, are going to know what's going on with this, but the, the character may not. And that works better with players that are good at separating player and character knowledge. We actually did that relatively recently, pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. but we did this relative, like right before the pandemic. I think we did it in January of 2020. We had a situation where we had a player who was going to be moving out of town and had started missing sessions. We knew the, the character was going to be leaving us, and the player wasn't there when we embarked on this long journey mm -hmm. and the gm had us find out that this character our companion that had been left behind had been a target of the big bad in the city who had basically murdered a couple of our friends uh, maimed a couple of our friends and kidnapped a couple of our friends including this pc mm -hmm. and we're on this mission out in the world to you know, stop the blight that was destroying the land. So we were like, we, we, we want to go rescue Fiona, but we can't. We've got this larger, more important mission. So we got a message back to the city, to some of our, our higher powered friends back there to say, hey, Fiona's in trouble. Can you help her? And so what the GM decided to do was stat up a bunch of the NPCs that were in our association and basically stage this rescue mission for Fiona and our favorite bartender who had also been kidnapped. Mm -hmm. And so we got to play as the father of one of the PCs, the ex-lover of one of the PCs, the wizard that had been set to watch us by one of the more powerful NPCs, the slightly insane fey elf who we had run into several times. Basically, these, these NPCs that were all well known to us we're just like, all of a sudden, we got to play them and go on this, nice. this high-stakes rescue that's mission. That's awesome. Yeah, it that's, was a that's lot very of fun. Cool. Yeah, and, and side note, I love it when NPCs are fleshed out enough that characters are excited to play them. Yeah. That is my yeah. favorite. Yeah, it was, it was very fun getting to friend, play my friend's character's father, who is just a huge flirt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the, the the player of the character just gets all awkward and uncomfortable when her father is flirting with people she knows. So the player is just like, I feel like I should be so awkward 
but you're having so much fun with this. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so where, where the, the players get to, you know, experiment with playing the NPC, I, I think game masters can also get to experiment in side quests with, um, uh, like, environments or maybe settings. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, you're like, you know what, I haven't run a campaign, or I haven't run a, a story arc on a ship in a long time. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a side quest where the players need the MacGuffin on the island that, that's a two-day travel, right? Something short. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe a 10-day at most, right? And so they hop on the boat and then they have, you know, mighty and wonderful adventures while on the boat. They get this, you know, see the dragon turtle and the kraken, which, of course, you can't really use too much, you know, in the desert setting or even a city (laughs) or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, have some fun exploring and experimenting with those settings and locales that maybe you haven't touched in a long time or maybe never. And just get some experience under your belt doing that. So yeah, pick a location you've never played in, or a uh, uh, I don't know a style of play like being on a ship or a flying airship mm-hmm. or whatever, and uh, go have fun with that. And if you make the side quest short enough, you're not dedicated to buying all the books about all the ships and all the rules and all that. You can right. just make it up on the fly because it, it's a side quest and it'll 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 go quickly. Just enough to give yourself a little bit of. Uh flavor change and spice things up in the game a bit for yourself yeah because as as chuck said if you're not having fun as a gm the game's not going to last yep and and just sort of piggyback off of that you know you you don't have to buy the books for a side quest and you can just really with a very limited time frame you can really harp on the things that excite you about whatever that tonal shift is if you just if you want to do a boat thing and you haven't done a boat thing before, you can make a list like what are the top six things that are awesome with a boat trip? And I'm just going to load all of those into this one <laughs> session or two sessions. And you have a blast running it. The players probably have a blast playing it. And it's a win for everybody. Absolutely. I think one of the other things about side quests that's probably important to talk up is they can be a great way to explore the stories of the PCs. You can do storylines and adventures that are specifically built around the characters that are, you know, they're aside to the main plot, but they help give, they help flesh out those characters. They give those, those players a moment in the spotlight. And those can be a lot of fun when you, when you dive into some of that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would caution a GM, particularly a new GM. Be aware of showing favoritism if you mm-hmm. do that kind of thing. Yeah. If you have one player that just consumes a lot of the oxygen and they have their, you know, stereotypical 30 page backstory and you have an entire session about them, or alternately, you do it for another player and the player with the 30 page backstory doesn't get that session, they're going to let you know <laughs> and you're not going to like hearing about it. <laughs> right. I actually, uh, this is, this might be a little off topic, but I like weaving a lot of that stuff into the main plot mm-hmm. like so in my Eberron campaign they had to go to a particular city that was the home of two of the pcs well obviously yeah. they're going to have run-ins with old acquaintances and family you know sure. it's like you, you know sure we could have gone to the city they could have never had to check in with mom or you know dealt with anything but it was way more fun to have all these interpersonal relationships that the players get to explore as they're trying to advance 
the general plot of what they're trying to 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 achieve. And it, it got, you know, if you do it right, if you're careful about how you do it, it can get all of the players invested in each other's stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the sweet spot. Yeah. But Chuck is right. You got to be careful of the dominant player who forgets that there are other people in the room because it's very <laughs> easy to just throw all the stuff at them because you're getting reactions and not realize that you're getting reactions because this player likes hearing themselves talk. And everyone else is just going to sit there because they're not going to get any attention anyway. You know, that that reminds me, and this is off topic, I would love to have a podcast at some point, you know, the care and feeding of your dominant player. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Ding. We'll write that one in the notes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good one. Yeah. What about in, in video game RPGs? You know, it's not that, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, bring to the tabletop RPG a whole bunch of fetch quests, but there are sometimes those, right? yeah, there's, there's still those quests that are fun and add to the, you know, the main storyline that are kind of, I guess, optional is Mm -hmm. the, the right term for them in most video game RPGs. JT, how do you work that type of thing into your campaigns where it's, it's the side quest that if they skip it, okay, fine, but it adds to the general uh, the general kind of wealth and meat of the campaign. Right. I think Chuck already hit on this a little bit with uh, the world building side of things. Like, you know, Chuck's phrase was uh, what he builds the plane as he's flying it or something like that. Build the plane <laughs> while he flies it. Yeah. I'm never getting on a plane with you, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I want to do that either. But uh, um Instead of doing all the pre-world building and having the 9,000-page wiki about your world, uh, guilty, um, mm-hmm. you can explore parts of it that you, the game master, haven't really detailed or put a whole lot of thought into and just kind of discover it with your players. And this is mm-hmm. can, you can get into some pretty interesting player interactions where you cross the hill and there's a cop's trees at the, the base of the hill on the other side. And there's a spooky story about it. And you turn to player A and you go, hey, what's that spooky story? Maybe, maybe don't put them on the spot quite that hard. But, you know, you've heard rumors about the, this, this, this forest. Somebody give me a rumor, right? Okay, somebody mm-hmm. else give me a rumor. And, and you incorporate that. You, you, the players will become so much more invested yeah. in the that. world building if you incorporate their ideas into the building of the world. And the side quests can help you, the GM, develop the world as the players are exploring the world. You know, you point them north and let her rip. Mm-hmm. I, I will say you, like you said, you may not want to always put your players on the spot. Like mm-hmm. that, You have to judge which players are going oh, to yeah. be comfortable doing that. I know that I've got a couple of players who will eventually contribute those ideas, but I can't like suddenly like shine a spotlight on them like i'm interrogating them or anything <laughs> right like, yeah. what's blah right. blah blah and they're just like i don't know i don't care right you gotta, yeah i've got a you player like know, that as well he wants to show up roll his dice do his damage and go home yeah and it, yep. it, that is so cool i it, it it doesn't detract from our game uh as a matter of fact he really enhances the game because he's a teenager so he has all the time in the world to read all the rule books <laughs> so when a, this obscure rule comes up that i haven't read yet or maybe i skimmed once I can turn mm-hmm. to him and go, what do I do next? 
and he's like, oh, that's on. He actually knows page numbers and all that, right? He's like, oh, it's this <laughs> oh, book, wow. this page. Yeah, he, he, I, I used to be that guy, but uh, not anymore. I, I have yeah. other things to do with my brain power now. But he's a super helpful at the game is bringing that system mastery to the game. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as the, the developing the story and the role playing and all that, you know, if you tell him or ask him, do you want to go left or right? He'll let somebody else make that decision. Mm-hmm. Unless there's an indicator that there's something to kill on the left, but not the right. And then his vote is, let's go left, because I want to go kill something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no. You have to, I mean, and, and this is this is just a general GM skill that you got you to gotta have the ability to kind of read your players. You have to know how to gauge your players and figure out where their interests are and where their, you know, where their engagement points are, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, trying to make a side quest central to one player and they're not interested, it's just going to flop, to be honest with you, because they have to be just as much of a driving force behind moving the plot forward, even for a side quest, as you, the game master, are. Otherwise, they're going to get halfway through it and the players are going to look at each other and somebody's going to ask that question, why are we doing this again? Yeah, and and, and I, that I, that you do not want that question. Yep, that is the kiss of death. Yes, it is. I've had yep. this happen. It it wasn't a side quest. The way the campaign was set up is there were different missions that were more focused on one player or another, and they had decided they were going to go on this one mission that was focused on an artifact that was re- associated with this one particular character. And that player was dealing with some stuff in real life and just wasn't engaging with the plot and the story. Everyone else still had a good time. You know, I'm still proud of some of the stuff I did in exploring that part of the world, but it was definitely disappointing that the player didn't engage with something that was supposed to be specifically for her character. Uh Yeah, yeah, that's rough. Yeah. That's rough. That, that's why I try to get the side quest to at least hook two, if not more, if not all. Mm-hmm. That's kind of hard. That's a, that's a deep ask, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, is to get a single hook or maybe two hooks that point in the same direction to incorporate the whole group. But if you can get yeah. two, that way if one falls by the wayside or maybe that player moves, stops showing up, whatever, that question of why are we doing this probably won't come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if somebody asks that the player that is in, in, invested can can answer it. Oh, we're doing this, you know, because Sir Ker blah blah is going to pay us hundred gold if we find, you know, his lost family signet ring or whatever. Um, Sorry, Sir Ker blah blah is appearing in a yes. game of mine. Yes, Sir <laughs> Ker blah blah with his signet yes. ring. With the signet yes. ring, yes, and he's a knight yes. of the highest order. He is a mighty and honorable man, but his name unfortunately is Ker blah blah. Right. so any other any other you know we're we're, i think we're winding down a bit any last thoughts on side plots we want to get in before we we start wrapping up side plots do them they're great (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah that um they're a lot of fun they're a good chance to explore your world your game your mechanics uh your character backgrounds Mm -hmm. all that good stuff so in theory, without negatively impacting the main storyline, might delay it, put it on hold a little bit. In theory, it, it always will. But, uh, you know, they'll come back to the main road eventually and uh, go have some fun. I think 
following up on that, I would add, don't be afraid of adjusting your main plot if it's obvious your players are more interested in side quests. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know, if you have this grand plot that you're expecting the characters to go through, and they keep wanting to just do small little side missions to help the townsfolk, maybe your grand plot isn't going to be what you thought it would be for this campaign. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know? Don't be afraid to adjust on the fly if you gotta. Yep. And that gets easier with experience, by the way. If you're a new GM listening to this, you can't screw it up. I promise. Yeah. I promise whatever you do, it's going to be good. Yeah, it's fine. And if your players are mean to you, just find new players. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think we can get out of here. This show is funded by the Gnomestew Patreon. You two can vote Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnomestew website to the Gnomestew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by Questit. The app that lets you keep track of all your quests can't just hit J in real life to tell you what little side quest you're forgetting about in the regular game that the GM is certainly going to hold against you. At some future point, put it in Questit and let it keep track of all of it for you. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. Bonus experience. Ray and Monica are two old friends exploring gameplay and design through the lens of diversity, while also sharing some of the dumbest humor gaming has to offer. You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. Where else can we find you folks on the internet? JT, go! Uh, One-stop shop for all things me is jtevans.net. Top right of every page, you'll find links to all my social media, uh, my books, my everything. Uh, Typically my open book life that I live online, so that's where you'll find me. How about you, Chuck? Where can we find you? Uh, first, hop in a time machine back to the halcyon days of MySpace when I wasn't afraid of social media. Uh, so Gnome Stew is really the place to find my stuff these days. So uh, what about you, Ange? You know, you say that, and lately I've been missing the days of LiveJournal. Oh, LiveJournal. Oh, wow. Oh, the day oh, of yeah. LiveJournal. Yeah. I do believe can, George R. R. Martin still writes there, you know, instead of on his book. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's not. Sorry, I had to go there. I had to go there. All right. Anyway, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as orikes13, O-R-I-K-E-S-13. Though Twitter is rarely used because it can be a toxic dumpster fire at times. And Instagram is mostly pictures of my cats. Yay, cats. Yeah. Yay. I mean, that's what the Internet is for, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Cats. Well, that in the song. Yeah. Uh, the song. Yes a song enough about that okay do you think we went on enough of a side quest to avoid the stew or do we still have some more exploring to do i'm still exploring so yeah wherever we are as long as it's far away from the stew pot i'm happy gnomecast is hosted by misdirected mark productions the media arm of encoded designs Sir, per, blah, blah.